guys, it's the Shadow Shaman, and we are doing Wounded Healer Part 2. Wow, you guys, the energy this past week has been pretty intense. I know for me, it's been like some days I'm feeling amazing, like this euphoria, and then suddenly there's like all of this dense emotions and energies and it's been like super heavy. And recently I had prayed asking if spirit would help my body to basically release energetically and emotionally all the evidence of some of the traumas that have occurred in my life. And you know that kind of thing where like <laughs> you pray for something and you don't quite know what you're really asking for? So my body has been going through like a natural sweat and I've been going through like some heavy purging and there's been times where I have felt like, you know, I changed my mind. That was so stupid. <laughs> like, I don't know why I asked for that. Like I changed my mind and of course it doesn't work that way. And my spirit is like, no, no, this is great. Let's push through this. You're going to be so happy that you did. So I've been treading deep waters and then coming up for like beautiful, breathtaking air. So that is why this past Friday I did not release part two of The Wounded Healer. But here we are today doing that now. So we're going to talk about a few things such as what happens when we see our gifts as curses. We're going to talk about the pitfall of being attached to the outcome of our work, being attached to other people that we're doing healing work with, you know, uh, trying to see the evidence of our work, if, you know, gauging if, if we're like really the real deal and if we're good enough. We're going to talk about, um, you know, the pitfalls of, you know, bouncing everything back up against our own conditioning and experience. And how that can really get in the way of being able to really attune to someone else's energy and experience. And being able to use the heart's intuition. These are pitfalls, you know, that healers can go through. Both in the wounded stage and even in the healing stage, you know. I, I have to really watch myself with these as well. We're also, you know, going to talk about savorism and trying to give or do too much. But, so, we're going to start with, well, actually, there's one thing I want to say, because I noticed something this past week, and it it's really stirred something emotional within me, um, and it's kind of like a really short follow-up from our first, set, like, our first episode of this series, is that, um, I have seen, like, addicts and homeless um, folks with some of the most amazing and beautiful, breathtaking gifts and power that, that could, you could ever imagine. Like, beautiful, beautiful. And it, it really stirs so much emotions in me because when you, um, sometimes when I sit down and I talk to to those who are battling addiction or homelessness. Um, a lot of times I find that they know, 
Like, they know that they have something really special. Like, they know that they have this gift. They know that they have this power. Um, and, but they've come to this point where that gift became really hard to carry. It turned on them. And I'm going to kind of explain why that can happen when we begin to look at our gifts as a curse, how it can turn on us. And they've also spoke to me about how, you know, nobody wants their help now because like when we see an addict and we see homelessness as a collective, the average human being, we like instantly want to turn our eyes away from it. We instantly go to this place of like, oh my gosh, you know, like, please don't approach me. You know, uh, have you ever been the person in the car or been the passenger, uh, with somebody else where, you know, somebody's standing outside with a sign wanting food or money and it's like the vibe is just don't look at them. Like hurry, let this light turn green so that I can just like go because this is uncomfortable. And I don't know, I don't exactly know why, but it's such an emotional experience for me every single time. And my heart just feels so heavy with it because I just look at these extraordinary beings and I see these beautiful, beautiful gifts that have just been so misunderstood. And I feel like addiction and homelessness is so misunderstood in itself. And we judge so harshly. Obviously not all of us, but as a collective, it seems like we just judge things like this so harshly that I just want to say one thing. We do things in order to survive. When somebody says, I chose addiction because I could not cope. That's false. You chose addiction as your way of coping. So you did find a way to cope. That was your way of coping. You can cope. You absolutely can cope. Now, is that the healthiest way for you? Probably not. But you can cope. And when we say things like, I can't cope, and that's why I chose addiction, we're speaking into it into this existence of, I can't do this. And we began to believe this false lie. And the reality of addiction is that in that moment at that time when that journey began for you, it felt like you had two choices. Something happened that was so painful or a series of things happened that led you to a very pivotal point in your life where maybe you felt lost Maybe you felt like you needed to feel something. Maybe you felt like you needed to understand something. Maybe you felt like you needed to get away from something. But for the majority, there's this, this ultimatum of, I can't live this life anymore. Not like this, not with all of this feeling or this lack of feeling. And I feel like I'm up against suicide. 
I feel like I'm facing the end of my life. And if I don't figure something out, I'm not going to make it. Like I'm just, I'm, this is it. And our instinct is not to take ourselves out. That's not natural. It's not survival instinct to kill yourself. So at that moment, the better, easier choice is to pick something else up. In that moment, that is the better, easier choice. That's the surviving choice. Now, I'm not saying that this has to be right. I'm not saying this has to be true. But from somebody who has dealt with addiction and somebody who has a bloodline of extreme addiction and like every type of drug and form you can think of, it has absolutely always been this way. At least through my experience and through the people I've crossed, it's this pivotal point of I can't handle life anymore so I I feel like I have two choices. I don't know how to fix the situation. I don't know how to get out. I'm stuck. I don't want to commit suicide. I don't want to lose my mind. I feel like I'm going to like have a psychotic breakdown. I'm going to lose my mind. Or I could pick up this alcohol. Or I could pick up this opiate. Or I could pick up methamphetamine. You know, heroin. And so that becomes the better choice. In that moment, that becomes the easier choice. And so I just have so much compassion for addiction. And what I'm trying to say is like, I don't care what your story is, like I do, but no matter what it is you've done, no matter where you are right now, no matter what it is you are facing, you are so powerful. You are so beautiful. You are so wonderful. Your gifts are so amazing. You have so much to say. You have so much to do. You are so valuable. And that is the absolute truth. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter what you've done. Your gifts are irrevocable. And it hurts me that sometimes the people with the most powerful gifts are the people that, you know, they feel like nobody wants them, you know? And I've, I've spoken to somebody who has said, you know, Leslie, nobody is going to want me to come up to them and tell them what I have to say because they look at me and they see somebody who hasn't bathed in four days and they think that everything that comes out of my mouth is crazy because I'm homeless and I have a drinking problem. And so everything I say, they automatically think is insane. They don't take me serious. They don't want me to touch them. Yet this man had like a profound, and I mean a profound gift. And when he spoke and he prayed with me, like I just remember my body feeling like there's just this amazing tingling sensation of just this powerfulness of, of feeling like so many spirits around me. And feeling all of this healing energy and feeling um, so much love. Like this man had so much pure love. And it was so rare. It was such a rare moment. So I just really encourage, um, you know, if you're ever in a situation and you feel like your heart is tugging on you to give somebody the time of day that you might normally would not, to really stop and consider like, is there more to this than I might realize? Is there a blessing here? Is there, is there a profound moment here waiting for me? And maybe consider allowing the opportunity to unfold itself. Or if you're somebody right now who's in a situation that maybe you're dealing with some type of shame or you're feeling like, you know, you're not worthy of something or like nobody wants to hear what you have to say or you've done this, 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 and this and so like you're no good and like nobody's gonna give any weight. Like I just want to encourage you that... 
a lot of times these dark places that we've been through in our lives become really powerful, powerful places, powerful parts of our journey that are so important to our path. And like, there's incredible, like healing power, even in that. And there's still ways to use this, um, to, to make a difference, to touch lives, to, to really transform your own life. And, you know, I just say like to hell with that shame and to hell with like whatever other people think and say. And like, I just encourage, you you know, like if you're ready to break free from that, to really break free from that. And what you have to say is so important and it matters just as much as anybody else. So I just want to throw that out there because that's like really been on my heart here lately. Um, so when we see our gifts as a curse, what can happen is that we can struggle to integrate our gift, which can sometimes lead to addiction or what people consider mental illnesses. So when gifts begin to open, and some people struggle with looking at it as a gift, um, you can change this to like portals. Like everybody has all these portals or chambers in your mind or realms or like whatever. And we all have the capacity really to open every single one. But naturally, each of us have certain ones that open up naturally. Like it just, it's like our blueprint. And then other ones we might have to put a little bit more conscious effort to try and open. Um, some people like to call it gifts. Some people like to call it a uh, abilities. Some people just like to call it, you know, like forms of consciousness. I gain the consciousness of healing. I gain the consciousness of clairvoyancy. I gain the consciousness of, you know, yada, yada. So, um, what happens is at some point in your life, this, well, two things. Typically we're all born with one of these channels already open. So we already have one completely opened or, you know, and it's working. It's like, it's already working naturally. And maybe it's not completely open because, you know, sometimes we kind of keep things shut down a little bit. And over time, as we grow, it grows, you know, because if we technically had it full blast at the age of like seven, that might be pretty scary, you know? Um, So it, it just depends, you know, use discernment here, but we use things naturally. And over time, Maybe uh, a second one begins to open. Or maybe that first one you have starts to open up some more. And sometimes it can feel scary because it, it can feel like a foreign energy. Depending on what type of conditioning we've gone through. So like if you've been raised through the church, a lot of spiritual gifts have been completely demonized. So like I was taught that like that, that's evil. Like that's satanic. So I just remember being a kid feeling like I was the spawn of Satan because I have this gift of healing and I have this gift of seeing into spirit world. You know, I could see spirits. I could talk to them. I, uh, I still can. Um, I would be talking to people and like they'd have spirits around them trying to talk to me. You know, that's, you know, demonic stuff. And I just remember really fighting this good versus bad war because I'm so young and I'm sitting here like, why, you know, if I'm God's child, 
why would God allow Satan to use me as a vessel for this demonized stuff, you know, and it really messed with me psychologically, like really, really bad. Um, and so a lot of times if we have not been prepared for things like this, which face it, like we're not, it's not like they teach us in school that, Hey, you know, we are supernatural beings. We are, you know, spirits having human experiences you guys have, you know, all these different channels and portals and abilities and gifts. And, and these are all the different ones that are out there and probably more that we don't even have a name to. And like, it's okay. And it's normal. And here's how we can harvest them. Here's how we can have them, um, and use them in a healthy way. Like, no, we don't have that. So we look at this as some type of foreign thing that's happening to us. And when you have some type of lens of fear involved and you've got ego, like it can create like a chaotic, like mess, like a big mess because you've got ego that's really starting to feel very challenged and, uh, it, it, it perceives this phenomenon as some type of threat because this phenomenon of whatever your gift is, doesn't fit into reason and logic at least not any reason and logic that you have naturally at whatever young age you are when this begins to open. Um, it doesn't know how to understand it. Therefore, it becomes a threat. Well, now you've got fear because now you have something that you don't understand. So now you're scared of it. So once fear gets in it, then everything involving that gift is being brought through this lens, this perspective of fear. So now... Every time this gift does something, we're looking at it as something that's attacking us, something that's trying to hurt us, something that's trying to get us. And so to me, in my personal opinion, which y'all, you have to remember, everything that comes out of my mouth is my opinion. I am, you know, I'm still learning and I really don't know anything. And I might change my mind like six months from now about literally everything that I've ever said. So, um... Now you have this situation where um, you you don't know what, like you might even deal with like a reality loss. Like you don't, you're not even for sure what reality is. So you're struggling to integrate this gift. And when we struggle to integrate this gift, I feel like that's where you know, mental illness kind of comes from. Uh, I feel like that's where like psychosis is coming from and like schizophrenia and like, you know, I I don't really know a whole lot about, about bipolar, but I would assume that like maybe bipolar could fit into this somehow. Like I know, I know some about bipolar and mood disorders, but like I really haven't experienced enough of like the spiritual phenomenon behind it. My guess would be like, some type of inner confliction. And if there's not a way to fully come to conclusion, one bounces in between two things as a way of coping. Like, since I can't fully change or break through this, I bounce between handling it from this perspective in this way. And then when that's not working out so well, I bounce back this way to survive. And then I handle it from this way for a little while. And then after that, I bounce back this way. That's my guess. But um, psychosis to me is definitely from where ego is 
really being challenged. Like your sense of reality is being challenged by this new information, this new version of reality. It's showing you that there's something different. It's showing you that maybe something about your current reality, your current perception about it is not quite accurate. Maybe something about it's been deceiving you. Something about it might seem now is false to you. You've outgrown it. And it can be very scary. It really can. It can be very scary because um, as human beings, we, we want security. We want to feel safe. And uh, spiritual growth, I mean, that's what it does. It pushes us out of safety and security like all the freaking time. Um, and not to hurt us, but to like keep expanding us is to show us expansion is to show us growth is to show us just like how amazing and huge we really are and like how powerful we really are so that we can truly create a life that is way more than we could have ever dreamed or fathomed. So we have two ways to look at our gifts. Um, obviously, you know, more than that and in between, but you, you can look at, your ability gift portal as some type of blessing, or you can look at it as a curse. Um, or, you know, however way you want. But for me, I would look, I used to look at it as a curse. I felt like it made me different. I was tired of being different. I didn't want to be different. Felt like it kept me from being able to blend in. So I would try like really, really hard to blend in. Um, I was always worried that I was crazy trying to self-diagnose myself like constantly. I would go to the psychiatrist and they'd be like, well, I mean, we really can't find nothing wrong with her other than like, you know, she doesn't like change. She does suffer from like generalized depression. Like we don't really know what it is that causes her depression. She just kind of has like a depressive state, like generalized. But other than that, they couldn't find anything psychologically wrong because they felt like I was so insightful and like so aware that they actually like couldn't believe it for my age. But I was like convinced, like, no, I know that I'm psychologically fucked up, right? Like, I know that I messed up. There's something wrong. I'm crazy. I'm broken. I've got to figure out how to fix this. And I'm like sitting there like dissecting myself constantly. And it was like pure inner hell. And it was like this hell that nobody else could really ever fathom how excruciating painful it was to be me on the inside. And um, I just, I just remember running constantly running from this gift and like drowning it out in every way possible. Um, and I feel like that in some shape or form, um, shows up for a lot of healers, maybe not all, but for a lot of healers, it does in, in some way. And I think that, um, it's when we finally come to a point of realizing that no matter how much we run from it, It never fails that it seems like spirit keeps bringing us back to the path anyways. That after you've like run around enough and you've like created all kinds of damage. Like, and what I mean by damage is like, you know, I've treated my body in ways that looking back, like I wish I wouldn't have done, you know, like I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to drink a lot of Dr. Pepper. Like I used to not sleep, give myself enough sleep, you know. I let myself stay in an abusive relationship. I gave up college, even though I wanted to be, you know, a forensic psychologist, which obviously is probably like not meant to be like that was not actually in alignment. So it's not about regret. I don't have regret. Like I know that where I'm at right now is where I need to be, 
But my point is that, like, after a while, you realize that running, like, it's not doing anything. You're wasting all of this energy. You're throwing away so many opportunities. You're not helping anybody. You're not helping yourself. You feel like shit um, in every way, shape, or form. You're not experiencing love. You're not experiencing joy. That after a while, it's like when you realize that you're going to keep coming back to the same path, it's just like surrendering just makes sense. But nobody can force you to surrender and you're not going to do it until you're ready. Like it it has to happen when you're like genuinely, heartfully ready. And like, I'm a very stubborn person. I'm a very rebellious person. Like (laughs) I can rebel just to rebel. Like just because I don't, like I will compromise for somebody out of love in a heartbeat if you can explain to me why it's important to you. If you tell me why it's important to you, then out of love, like, yes, I will compromise for you as long as it's nothing that goes against my integrity and my standards and that it's not going to suffocate my soul, okay? Like, if you tell me to compromise doing art, I'm going to be like, yeah, I can't do that. It's going to suffocate my soul, right? But other than that, I'm going to rebel, like, because it's just my nature to ask lots of questions, like, why can't I do that? Says who? You know, why can't I wear that? Says who? Like, and I've just always been that curious child that is like, I know, I don't like oppression. I don't like oppression. I don't like to watch other people suffer from oppression. It's really difficult. And so, um, it's... It's come to a point where, for me, it was I had to take this really long route to where finally my heart was like, you know what? I'm ready to surrender. I'm like truly ready to surrender and take this path serious because honestly, I've never taken it serious, at least not for like life. You know, I take it serious for a little while, drop off, come back, take it serious for a while, drop off, come back. And once I surrendered, all of that sense of... I'm messy, I'm broke up, like broken, I'm crazy. All of that went away. This idea that I had mental illness, this inner confliction, it was just gone. Like literally it all went away. And the whole time, all that was ever needed was for me to surrender and change that perspective of my gift is not a curse, it's a blessing. So maybe today just looking at how do you view yourself and the the things that you're capable of doing your abilities like do you view these things as blessings that are supporting you or do you view this as some type of curse if you view it as a blessing but you used to view it as a curse have you have you went and healed that area like have you went and had that conversation with that part of you that used to hurt over having this gift over being different like have you comforted that person have you examined how that all impacted you like your perception and belief about yourself having this gift have you looked at how that has impacted you have you released this energetically emotionally physically spiritually have you you know how are you honoring it how are you honoring that now like you know um I think that that can be like really powerful and, but that's a pitfall. A lot of wounded healers go through some type of form of that. Another one is that, um, we get, we tend to get really attached to the outcome of our work. Okay. And this shows up as stuff like, especially in the beginning. So you find out like, oh, okay. Like 
you know, I believe I'm a healer. I believe I'm, you know, this or that and my gifts and blah, blah, blah. But I want to see evidence of it. Like, I believe I have it, but I want to see the evidence of it. So I start working with other people and it's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of how to put this in words. Like, it's like you get attached to the person and waiting around to see if your gift worked, if the healing worked, if the condition went away, if the headache went away, if the self-limiting belief and blockage went away. Like, you're looking for some type of validation, external validation that you really are what you are, that your gift really is your gift, that you're the real deal. Okay. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you don't need validation outside of yourself. Like, you don't. Um, that is a, that's a place of a woundedness for you to feel like you need this. This is what I want to encourage you today if you feel like you're stuck in this place. And I'm explaining why it's not benefiting you to do this, okay? If you have it, you have it. And if you have it, you, you already know you have it. On some deep level, you know you have it. Spirit's given to you. He's called you. He's chosen to you. He's deemed you enough. He's deemed you worthy. You've got it. We don't need to see validation. We don't need to see proof. That's ego. You don't need that. Like you are enough. It works. You are amazing. You're powerful. It's good. The reason why getting attached to seeing the outcome is not helping you is because it, many ways. One, it's dishonoring of the gift. Because, and maybe this is like the religious part of me, like the Christian conditioning Bible part of me. And maybe maybe that's it. But to me, it's like the gift isn't to honor me, right? The gift is to honor spirit, creation, the the oneness, the allness, the the love, right? So like I don't need to validate or feed anything. It's just... This is this gift. I spread this out of love. I'm just the vessel. I give this. I move on. I know it works because he's put it within me. And everything creator does is perfect and good. And good and bad is the same thing. So like there's no way to judge it, right? Like there's no way to, if everything is one thing and there's no duality. Like sometimes I speak about duality because I'm trying to put building blocks for those that need building blocks to get to certain levels, because like I was one of those people because of my religious background, I had to have lots of building blocks to grasp things. Right. But if everything is just one, there's no good, bad, there's no duality. It's just one line. Okay. Then we don't need to see anything. It's just like, it's their spirit gave it to you. You do it and you move forward. And that that's the way I honor it, you know? The things that you have to consider or that I choose to consider is that one, sometimes people aren't even honest to you, honest with you about the results. So you want to keep that in consideration. If you are getting very attached to the people and the outcome of the healing session and their feedback about your work, sometimes people aren't honest. And you might be like, what are you talking about? Well, I'm going to tattletale on myself. I'm going to tell you a true story of this is exactly what I mean, okay? About six years ago, I was working as a counting person uh, for a family-owned business. My aunt uh, 
does heal, she's a healer person, lays palms. So like gifts are generational. They're typically passed down through the, the mother line. Okay. So like the laying of palms runs through my bloodline. So my aunt has the same gift. Her palms get really hot and she has the ability to lay her palms on people. And, and it, there is a profound experience. And I know that she has this gift and she knows she has this gift. Well, this one day I had a really bad migraine. I used to suffer from migraines really bad and I wanted to go home. Even if the migraine was to get better, I I really wanted to go home. I was tired. I didn't feel well. I wanted to go lay in bed and my aunt came over there and she's like, Leslie, if you're willing, if you would be open to receiving, let me help take this migraine away from you. Because, you know, she's the boss. She would rather me stay at work and get my work done. She's paying me salary, not hourly. The most honorable thing I could have done was to say, okay, be open to receiving the healing and stay at work. But I wanted <laughs> wanted to go home. I was being immature and I was being stupid. So she does the healing work with me and you guys, my headache went away. My migraine was completely gone and I knew it. I felt 100% better. And instead of just being grateful and thankful and knowing I felt better and being honorable and living with integrity and staying and finishing my day, I pretended (laughs) that it was still there so I could go ahead and go home. Like, you know, I was being really immature that day. And um, I remember the look on her face, like, because she trusted me, because I had a reputation for being someone of you know, pretty, I have a reputation of being of more integrity now than I did then, but I had a pretty good reputation then. She took that as something was wrong with her that day. Her healing was not as good that day. And you guys, I felt like crap. Like that really upset me that I did that. And so I went up, I went home and then I did not enjoy being home. I felt like crap that I had done that. So then I had to humiliate myself. I had to, I had to humble myself by apologizing to her and explaining that, you know what, my migraine really did go away. But, you know, like, I, apparently I really wanted to go home. And that sucked. That was hard. You know, I was worried if she was going to fire me. So, um, there's multiple reasons why getting too attached is just not beneficial to you. You don't need the validation. And if you stay attached to that, I feel like um, it's going to become a very blockage for you because then your sense of confidence and your sense of worth and your sense of can I do this is really going to fluctuate depending on the type of people you're working with. And um, you know what? Sometimes we have off days. And so if you're having an off day, it doesn't mean that you suck at what you do or like that you're not the real deal, which is another reason why gauging the outcome is not healthy in that way. Um, Another thing is like, you know, sometimes we also get attached to the person in the sense of like the session is over or like the healing work, the person is over for the day, but now you go home and it's like, you can't let it go. Like now you're obsessing over the situation. Like what more can I do for this person? Like how can I help transmute all this energy for this person? And it's like, now you're carrying their problems energetically, mentally, emotionally. And 
that can sometimes come from being too invested, too attached to the outcome of the situation. It's like you're trying too hard to make things work for two reasons. One, there's a part of you that genuinely wants this person to have, you know, to have a better experience. You want to aid in the fact that you want healing to occur for them, right? And then two, it's to help refuel this validation that like you can do this. But the things that we have to remember is that one, we never heal the other person. We are just holding the space. We're like holding this high frequency, energetic vibration that holds maybe the remedy for this person. And by holding the remedy, it's like it's offering the energetic solution, not because of something you're saying, but it's just holding the space of it for this person to find by being in your presence, by you offering this unconditional loving place. And a lot of times the most powerful way to to assist in the healing with somebody is by asking questions. It's not so much about like coming up with all these answers. It's about asking lots of questions, um, like certain questions at certain times can be so powerful. And then obviously, if a person asks you a question, like they're asking you a question and they're, they're wanting your input, then, you know, you can answer like, well, this is my opinion. But if we try to give too much, we can actually slow the process down. We can create resistance because if I give too much into this situation, if I carry this home and now I'm, you know, feeding into this too much, then this person may not actually have to do their part of the work. And if they don't do their part in this, then they're not actually learning what needs, like what they're needing to learn. Or they may not be letting go of what needs to be let go. Or they're not building the muscle that needs to be built, like uh, that needs to be strengthened, right? So when they're done working with you, three months, six months down the road, they suddenly find themselves in the same type of situation. And now they might feel like working with you didn't work. But really, maybe everything was working fine, but it's like you struggled with letting them have the space to do like their part and stuff. Another thing is getting too attached and not knowing when to let go is like you're, you're emptying your cup. You're, you're having a unbalanced exchange of energy. And that's, that's not, um, that's not going to help you to stay centered. It's not, it's going to end up leaving you frustrated, irritated, drained, exhausted, bitter. Um, especially if like you're in a situation where, you know, you end up feeling like, like, let's say the person decides that like they want to quit halfway or the person um, ends up not taking any of your advice, or the person ends up not moving through the actual issue. You might feel frustrated because you've invested so much time, so much energy, so much this, when in reality that was never necessary, it was never needed. Another thing that can happen is by getting too attached to the outcome, you can put too much energy that the person can't even integrate it all. Like it goes over their head. They can't even integrate it all. It um it can frighten them. It can like scare them away. I've I've had people get scared of me. 
not because of anything I said, but like my energy was so intense, it scared them. And I didn't even mean for it to like, um, so just being mindful of things like that. Um, another pitfall that can happen is a lot of times when we approach people, I used to be really bad at this. I still can be bad at this. Like I'm trying, (laughs) I'm working on this one is that, um, we tend to bounce everything back experiences, our conditioning, our perceptions, our knowledge, you know, the, the accumulation of it all. So like when I would go to work with people, everything that they were saying, all the work we were doing was being filtered back through everything I've learned, everything I've experienced, um, you know, etc. And while there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, because like, you know, I've been through a lot of things. I've learned a lot of things, which can be good. The issue with that is that the most powerful way of being there for this person is if I would, instead of letting all of what they're saying or their presence being filtered through all of that, if I would allow myself to attune myself to their energy instead, like really just go into my heart space, relying on the intuition of my heart, not my intuition, like my down here in my like solar plexus area, like my intuition, intuition, not my whiz, like my knowledge, not my conditioning, not my experiences, but like the wisdom within my heart, intuition within my heart, and attune into their energy. My help, my presence, my space, my time is going to be so much more effective to them. Because I might end up saying something or asking a question that I might would have never even known to say. It might be something I don't even know what it means. Oh my gosh, like... There has been times I have said something to somebody that I don't even know what it means. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? Like, I don't even know the definition of that word. What is that? Like, I don't even know. But it was it was exactly what was needed at that moment for them. Like, they knew what it meant. They knew exactly what I was talking about, but I didn't. But my heart knew. <laughs> my heart knew intuitively by connecting to them. So one of the pitfalls can be, you know, trying to put things through all of this, you know, what we've learned, what we've gathered. Um, And if we could instead really try to come from that heart space, it can be such a more effective and powerful experience. And, you know, it takes time. Like I still catch myself like a lot going back to this like frame of reference of myself, of who Leslie is instead of this heart space attuning to this other person. And so that, that takes time, uh, to, to practice that and be mindful with that. Um, another thing is another pitfall that I see is that like, and this really bothers me is that like, we've gotten to this point where it's like, you have this ability, this special gift, this portal, and 
now it's like, you got to go get a degree. You got to go get a certificate. You got to go through this training. You got to go fly across the world and train under blah, 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 blah. And the force of, you know, the Amazon to get, you know, certified just so that people take you serious so that you can actually step out as a professional. And it kind of irritates me. I mean, on one hand, I totally get it because like, you know, gifts, they do need practiced. You know, we want to practice these. We want to honor them. We want to get experience with them. We want to develop them. If somebody just out of nowhere is like, oh, I want to be a blank. I'm going to use this gift that they haven't harvested at all. And they just stepped out in the professional world and started taking people's money. And then their delivery was like a very poor experience. And then on one hand, yes, I understand because now the reputation is gravely being affected to where now everybody with that type of title, label, <clears throat> gift, whatever is now being seen as a joke. So like, I get that. But on the other hand, it bothers me that something that is given to us freely, it's free, it's our birthright, it's our God-given right, we have to paperize it, we have to go to a course for it, we have to get a doctorate for it, we got to get a degree for it, like that bothers me. I don't know why, it just really does. I've met amazing people who's like, I, well, I've got to go get, you know, I've got to go get this course and I've got to go get this degree and I've got to go get this blank so that people take me serious. I'm like, I don't know why, but I just don't like it. (laughs) So I really wish that if it was my way, like I just wish there was more fluid room, like where people were able to, these are my natural talents and this is what I'm naturally drawn to. And I have the freedom and the financial freedom to where I can just go work and study under somebody else who's doing the same thing, like a mentor. I'm like, that's what I do. I go work with them. Like, I don't have to travel across the world. I find somebody in my own area and I go work underneath them and study. And then when I've gotten some experience and I feel ready, I just branch out on my own and I do my work. And like, you know, it bothers me that we pay bills. Like... You know, and I know that might be like, you know, just so a dreamist here, you know, an idealist here, but, you know, it just irritates me that we've gone from being able to live on the land freely and like we knew how to, we found a way to purposely create all these reasons of why we can't live on the land freely, why we've got to pay all these bills and like everybody slaves away at all these jobs to support this living and it's just, I don't know, it saddens me. Um, I feel like there would be so much more joy in this world if we had the financial freedom and the ability to pursue what we feel is our way of making this world a better place, what we feel drawn to do. Um, there's, I think it was like Jordan Peterson who said something about like, um, pursuing what makes you happy is a luxury but pursuing what you feel, oh God, how do you say it? Pursuing what makes you feel like makes a difference in the world or like uh, is important for humanity is like a moral ob- obligation or something like that. Anyways, like I just feel like that's it, you know? Yeah, I wish it could be more in that way instead of all this pressure of like, you know, um, and I, f- I wish that uh, 
even professionals didn't feel like they have to be closet, uh, what am I trying to say, like, we live in this time now where it's like if you're some type of professional, hypnotherapist, spiritualist, teacher, um, psychic, healer, shaman, whatever you call yourself, mentor, whatever. It's like you, people expect you to have your shit together. Okay. And like, I get it. Like if you're going to teach, you know, they're like, you know, you should be a master if you're going to teach yada, yada. It's like, it's like, there's no room for you to still be human. There's no room for you to have messiness. There's no room for you to have some depression. There's no room for you to fall and like grow and like mess up. And like, I mean, you know, there is, but it's like this unspoken thing of make sure you do it, you know, behind closed doors. Like don't show everybody that you're still figuring stuff out. And like, it bothers me as well. I try to be really authentic So, like, you don't find that with me. Like, I'm pretty transparent about things that I'm struggling with. And that has really separated me in a way that can feel very isolating. Because other people have looked at me and be like, I don't know why you do that. It makes you look like you're not ready to, like, help people. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what does it mean to be ready to help people? Like, we can help from wherever we're at. Like, I'm not going to give the impression that I'm some perfection that's got everything down because I'm never going to be that. And I feel like there's just all this stigma of like this pressure of not being able to just be very real and authentic and even in the spiritual community and it's suffocating. And I think it's for me, it's really caused a struggle of feeling like I don't really fit in like anywhere. I feel like I just don't fit in anywhere because even in the spiritual community, there's still a lot of things about me that are very human. And, you know, people would be like, well, that's very ego. Well, okay, then it's very ego. Um, I'm not here to get rid of my ego. Maybe I don't grasp it. Maybe I don't get it. But to me, ego, it's not about eradicating it. It's about understanding that spirit gave it to me for a reason. Um, I just don't want it to control me. I'm not here to let it override me and rule me, but rather I'm here to let my spirit lead and I'm asking ego like, hey, I need you to be my supporting role. Like I'm Batman, spirituality's Batman and ego's Robin. You're my sidekick. Like God gave you for a reason. So I need you to help me. Like let's work together. So like, I don't know where I fit into this world, but like I just have a unique perspective of things. So Another thing that um, happens with the wounded healer is savorism. A lot of times we find ourselves with savorism. I used to be this person like really bad. We um, end up wanting to fix things for people. We want to like completely heal them. Like not just offer healing. Like we want to swoop in and like save them. We want to like change their whole lives for them. And, you know, it's coming from a good place. It's not that we want to change them as far as, like, I mean, really, if we had to be honest in a way, yeah, like, actually, we do want to change them. Like, we don't want to say it that way because in our mind, it's not like we're changing them in a bad way. We feel like we're changing them in a good way. The the thought process is we're looking at somebody and we're like, oh, this person is sad. 
this person is depressed. This person is living a life so unhealthy. This person looks so miserable. I see all this great potential. I see this beauty. I see what they can do. I want to help them. I want to take their pain away. I want them to be happy so that they can go live this beautiful life because why would they not want that? Who does not want that? And so what happens is we like come in like the superhero and like we're going to help make that happen. We're going to like shoulder all their burdens and their weight and we're like going to do everything we can and like try and fight their battles. And we, the wounded healer that ends up doing this, you know, why would you do that? It just seems like that would be so hurtful to your image or your business for you to be transparent in that way, but I just don't want to try and pretend that I'm something more than what I am. Like, that's just not the type of person that I am. And if anything, I want to be somebody more liberating that helps just hold space to other professionals that with me, you can put the mask down and you can still be a teacher, a master, a professional, whatever, but you can still be very human with me. You can be very real with me and I'm still going to take you serious and I'm still going to, you know, hire you if you're in alignment with something that I'm needing at that moment. And I don't know, I'm just like different. So, um, anyways, one of the other pitfalls is that, uh, a lot of times we can get into savorism I used to be so bad about this, and savorism is something that can definitely dry up your soul, like drain you. And what it is, if you haven't heard of it, is where we see somebody and we see their suffering and we see their pain and we just feel so drawn to fix it. We just like want to heal it, we want to take it away, we want to bring them joy. We want to see their life just profoundly change into something beautiful. And we get very, very involved. We get very, very attached. And one of the reasons this happens is because on some level, we are avoiding our own sense of loneliness, our own sense of brokenness, this feeling of, I don't belong here. This world is, this world does not feel like home to me. Uh, it's a, the struggling to accept reality as it is. Uh, and so sometimes by having somebody to save, it gives you something to focus on. It gives you something to do. It's like an inspiration. But in reality, because this is external, it is not healthy for you or the other person. Typically, the person you're trying to save often doesn't want to be saved. At least not to what extent you're willing to go to try and save them. And what typically happens is, yes, they might go ahead and accept, you know, all your help. But it it becomes a codependent thing of where eventually you're probably going to feel used resentful, bitter, like you've done so much for this person and maybe this person leaves anyways. Maybe this person, you know, maybe you develop feelings for this person they don't feel it back. Maybe um, 
this person still doesn't change their life. Maybe they go back to the old patterns. Like what ends up happening is that in the end, we either frighten them. We might like completely lose control of our own lives. Like we we let our own stuff slide. We're not taking care of our own health. We're not taking care of our own finances, our own needs, because we're so focused on somebody else that we don't realize that we're slipping up at work. We're slipping up in our home life. Um, you know, things become very um, like imbalanced. Uh, our energy becomes un- like in like drains. You know, this is begins to happen like the empath narcissist kind of thing. Like, um. It never fails that a wounded healer often partakes in savorism at least once. And I know that I've been that person. I tried to save somebody at, like, the expense of almost my own life. Like, I literally almost lost my life trying to save somebody. Like, I had so much love for this person... And I was so convinced that my love was enough that one day it was going to click and this person was going to treat me better. Like this person was going to stop being abusive and this person was going to heal and have joy. And like, it was just never going to happen. And you know, ironically, it took me finally letting go and like getting out of the relationship and just like completely leaving for this person to actually begin their healing journey. So sometimes savorism is like us actually being in the way of the transformation because I made everything so easy. My ability to try and save this person made everything so easy that this person really needed to lose everything to actually be in a place where their heart could open itself to to the healing process. So... Being careful with savorism because it's not genuine healing. The other person is not genuinely healing when we are doing savorism for somebody. It's not real. It's not long-lasting. Um, and so there's a difference between holding a loving, unconditional healing space for somebody and then actually trying to go and do everything for them. Kind of like... A parent. If a parent did every single little thing for a child, like I watched this in a video about this woman. Her mother um, did everything, like tied her shoes. I mean, all the way up until she was like a teenager. You know, let me do this for you. Let me make your bed. Let me clean your room. Let me pack your lunch. Let me do your hair. Like every little thing because the mother loved her so much that the child ended up feeling like I must not be smart. I must not be capable. My mom does everything, so there must be something wrong with me. I must be stupid. And she literally was 18 years old and did not know how to do anything. She didn't know how to make, like, cook any food. She didn't know how to do her own laundry. And she didn't know how to drive. And she didn't even have the desire to learn because she just assumed she wasn't capable. So it it did nothing for her. It ended up being very unhealthy for her in the long run. She was not prepared for life. So it's the same type of thing with savorism. It's just not beneficial for the other person. 
Um, I saw a quote and it's something I've decided to start working on. And the quote was, be the face of love, not to provide the solution or to be the face of authority. And I thought that this was just like, um, just a beautiful, beautiful concept right now, uh, for me, especially to, to be working on. And so, you know, these are just some of the, the pitfalls that wounded healers can go through. And, um, if you have found yourself on this, one of these parts of the journey, or if you're there currently, I just want to encourage you that this is normal. A lot of wounded healers go through these things and, uh, it's part of the process. So I encourage you just to keep going and, uh, you know, I just want to also give you the, the comfort of it's not going to stay this way forever. You know, like, like I had said in the first episode, the rite of passage, like as your heart continues to mend, as you continue to heal, as conflictions continue to mend, um, there comes this, this day where, you know, you're able to really hone into your your power and your ability ability to to be comfortable with all of your emotions including the heavy ones even though they they suck. I mean sometimes heavy emotions do suck, but you you're able to gain the confidence of even though I'm having a very heavy day, I know that I'm okay. It's not that I'm going backwards. It's not that I'm not a spiritual awesome being. It's just a heavy day. There comes a day where you're able to understand that your your healing medicine is powerful and beautiful and amazing and that you don't need any external validation. You don't need no certificate. You don't need to be attached to the outcome. You don't need to worry about how many clients you have. You don't need to worry about how many followers you have, how many likes you have. You don't need to worry about whether you're fitting in or not. I mean, it's just this place of peace. This place of knowing that as long as you have you and that you belong to yourself, that's all that really matters. And that's important. Let me tell you, that's important because if you don't belong to yourself, you don't belong nowhere. As long as you belong to yourself, though, you always belong somewhere. And it can be extremely lonely. Being authentic is not a popularity thing. You don't feel popular when you're being authentic. You don't feel like you fit in when you're being authentic, even in the spiritual community. You can be in a spiritual community and still feel like you're just way out in the left field by yourself. Um, but let me tell you something. It's an honor. It's an honor to be different. It's an honor to be a trailblazer. It's an honor to stand with courage and be who you are, even if nobody is standing beside you. It is an honor to craft your gift in your own unique way. And so I just really encourage you to have faith with yourself to have compassion with yourself, to have patience with yourself, to remind yourself that the pain is not forever. Even if it feels like it's forever, even if you feel like you've been on this journey for freaking ever and then it's never going to end, it's going to continue to change. It's going to continue to unfold. And you know, it's not about us changing. It's about us becoming. We're not changing. We are becoming. And this process is a process for a reason. And this is just another phase and it's going, it's going to be different one day. So just keep your faith and keep the good fight and 
I'm not for sure what we're going to talk about in part three. I just know that Spirit said that there's going to be a part three, so hopefully I can release that by next week. All right. Hope you guys have a great week.